Welcome to the Along Came Bitcoin podcast. My name is Eileen, and I am focusing this podcast on women in and around the Bitcoin space. It is a place to grow your knowledge and build your network in the Bitcoin community. While the focus is on women, all are welcome and encouraged to be part of the conversation. Thank you for being here and welcome to the journey. In today's conversation, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lina Sahi. She is the BTC Times editor and managing director. She shares her experiences falling down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and what she's working on today in the Bitcoin space. Welcome to the conversation. All right. Well, good morning and welcome to the Along Came Bitcoin podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lina Sahia. Um, she is the uh, editor and managing director of BTC Times. So I actually would like to turn over to you, Lena, to have you do maybe a little more formal introduction of yourself, and then we can go from there. Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Eileen. It's really exciting. Um, yeah, I am Lena, and I'm, as you said, I'm the editor and managing director at the BTC Times. We do Bitcoin news, and we focus on Bitcoin, Bitcoin's, you know, impact socially, politically, economically. Um, also technologically, of course, and we we want to make sure good Bitcoin news goes out there. Um, misinformation is, you know, fixed a little bit, and yeah, we that that's our that's our goal: doing quality Bitcoin reporting. Great. So I'd like to get a little background on you. Um, where are you from? Where you know where are you? Born, raised, what's your background for, for my Yeah, I'm born and raised in a small town in Germany, but left it when I graduated high school, actually. Oh, okay. And where did you go from there? I've been traveling around a lot, actually, for the past what, seven, 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 almost eight years. Yeah, I've been just, uh, I spent a lot of time in Asia various Asian countries. And then in the past few years, I've been going more to other places as well. But I was always kind of drawn to, to Asia. There's there's a lot of interesting, um, yeah, a lot of inter- interesting places, interesting things going on, yeah. Did, are there, where did you land when you were in Asia? What were some of your... your... I've been in various countries, actually. I've been in uh, Japan, Malaysia, and... Um, Korea as well. Sometimes I would stay longer, sometimes shorter, just, uh, you know, not really settling. <laughs> just exploring the culture or the people. Were you working when you were living there or schooling or just traveling? At times I was working. Yeah. At times I was just traveling. Yeah. I, it, it was a time where I could, you know, very comfortably do that. You know, when you, when you graduate school, you don't have any obligations yet. You can, you know, travel around, explore. And uh, yeah, at some point during the time, I got in touch with this entire space. And yeah, that's how things went. <laughs> how did, um, so for how did Bitcoin come along for you in your world? When yeah. were you, did you have multiple touches? Because I've had several people talk about having been exposed to it a couple times before they actually really tried to learn it and understand it it was um yeah not not that glamorous i had well i had one 
I learned about Bitcoin and then I stayed in this space. So it was not multiple touches in that sense, but it took me a while to actually end up with Bitcoin. So I'm a Bitcoiner of the you know 2017 generation. So okay. I'm still pretty new, still pretty new to this whole space. And um, it was not, honestly, it was not very glamorous, my entrance to the space. So I was doing marketing at the time and I was assigned to a project a blockchain project and you know it, it had a shit coin let's put it like that and it was as i said it was my first encounter with the whole space i had never heard of bitcoin i had no idea what it was all about and um, it was one of my first real jobs so all i knew was i wanted to do good work so i got some materials that i was you know supposed to read into i did that and when i was done with it you know my conclusion was oh blockchain is the future and that's totally on me because I should have you know done some research and I should have you know asked some questions um, and formed an educated opinion which is something that Bitcoiners do right they ask a lot of questions uh, they don't take things at face value which is I think so important it's one of the most important lessons I've learned in the past few years but I wasn't doing that at the time and I, I think a lot of people outside of, you know, this, this space don't do that, unfortunately. It's not that common. So, you know, I read those things, those opinions, and then they became my opinions. And then um, for the first few months or so of working, I wasn't really confronted with Bitcoin at all. The first time I really uh, got more, you know, more information, well, not sure if you can call it information, but more involved was when um, I was sent out to events and meetups to, you know, present and promote. And it was these typical, uh, you know, blockchain meetups where you would have a lot of people uh, with their own projects, with their own coins, all coming there to promote their stuff. So you'd have people talking, saying, you know, here's Bitcoin. Bitcoin is this old dinosaur tech. And here's my shitcoin. And this is this new novel tag and it, it fixes Bitcoin and you don't need Bitcoin anymore. That's, you know, that's a boomer coin or whatever people call it today. Um, and then afterwards, you'd have these networking sessions where uh, everybody would, again, promote their stuff, but now, you know, in groups off stage and everybody would be so positive. So you'd have people say, you know, here's my supply chain coin. And then people would go, wow, that's awesome. By the way, here's my weather forecast coin. And people would go, wow, that's amazing. We're at the forefront of the revolution. And everybody would be so positive, which, you know, if you're in that bubble, it's great, but it's actually really dangerous because you don't start to question what you're doing. So, which is actually why when people say Bitcoiners are toxic. I, you know, I, I, I don't think so. I think Bitcoiners are honest and I would have really needed that at the time. Somebody honestly saying, hey, what you guys are doing is really not very useful. <laughs> um, but there was the, that was the environment. And I, I started changing my mind rather rapidly when I got my hands on two books. Uh, one was The Internet of Money by Andreas Antonopoulos. And the other was the Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean Amus. Not sure if I pronounced his name right. Um, I think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's many different ways people pronounce his name. I 
I don't know, but I, okay. And it's very basic, I think it's a basic story, but I think it's a story that many people have that they read, um, especially I think the Bitcoin standard and it, you know, it changes their views on things. And the same thing happened to me. It's, it's an amazing piece of, uh, of literature, in my opinion, where after I read it, it was the first time I started reflecting on things a little bit. It was the first time I took information that I had thought was you know, supposed to be that way, for example, you know, basic one, inflation, which, you know, in school, where I went to school in Germany, we were taught that's normal, that's it's supposed to be like that, things get more expensive, then, you know, you just got to deal with it. First time I would question that. And the first time I would question, you know, the money in my bank, that's actually, there's probably no money there. I don't know what the bank is doing with that, right? I don't know what the bank does with my account tomorrow. And I started thinking about those things for the for the very first time uh, which was well it's not a taboo but it's not something you're you you're brought up to do i think which is why it's very hard to break out of this this mindset um and i, I realized you know the problem the problem isn't you know supply chains or weather forecasts it, it's not even faster payments the problem is just the money you know the problem is there's a problem with our money and that is it's controlled by the state you know money and state have no business being connected that's you know a provably flawed concept of which we're seeing the consequences playing out in real time right now in various places around the world you know people are not good at managing things. You know, it's, we could see that you know, with the whole pandemic management, how governments are handling that more or less well around the world. People are you know, emotional, we're easily swayed, most of all, we're greedy. And putting a small group of people in charge of monetary policy that forms you know, the foundation of our global economy is a very bad idea. <laughs> People act in their own best in their own best interest, and uh, that that can be extremely extremely harmful. So once you see that, I think at least for me, once I saw that, I could not see it. I think that's the rabbit hole that you fall into, mm -hmm. and and you just start digging deeper and deeper. So I became really unhappy with my situation. I was like, wait, so what? What value am I providing? Like, what value am I adding? with the things that I'm doing right now. And you mean as far as your work in the work yeah, that you're doing? Okay. Exactly. And I felt like, okay, actually you're not really doing much of importance. And um, things turned around for me when I met uh, Samson Mo, who's the chief strategy officer at Blockstream. And I met him at a conference in New York that he organized. It was the Magical Crypto Conference. Um, and we, we met there and we started talking and then he asked me out for dinner. And oh, fun fact. So he asked me out to go to a steakhouse. And at the time I was a vegetarian, but the most fiat thing ever, I was a vegetarian. <laughs> I had even been vegan before, but I'd actually already given up on that but I didn't want to be rude. So I said, sure, let's go to a steakhouse. And then we went to, uh, there's like, I don't know if you know Salt Bay, but the, he has like a steakhouse in, in New York. And we went there and I had my first steak in, in years and I became a meat eater. 
like a true Bitcoiner. Which <laughs> Literally in that one meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was the turning point. And, you know, we talked a lot and I was really impressed with, you know, first of all, his you know knowledge of Bitcoin and also his whole view of things. And he was able to answer a lot of my questions. And that was, you know, the point where I was like, okay, you know, this is the thing that matters. All this other stuff is not important. This is the one thing that matters. It's the once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and, and it's gonna change a lot of things. So from there, things started changing. I changed jobs. I started working in the space. I became a, a you know, full-time Bitcoiner, if you can. So where did you go so. to? Where did you go to in, in your job? Yeah. First, I changed uh, to a crypto exchange. Okay. So uh, I worked there for about a year, I think. And then we launched the BTC Times, which, you know, we're, I'm, still, I'm still doing. And yeah, in a way, that's a bit cheesy, me, but in a way, I feel like my work at the BTC Times is a way to you know, make up for the stupid things I did before for, for shilling shit coins. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my not so glamorous story. <laughs> and then, so you said you became a, a, a Bitcoin maximalist, I guess is the term I keep hearing. Is that what, it, it, I don't know if that's what you are, um, but maybe you just became all in on at least Bitcoin versus other altcoins or. Yeah, I, you know, I don't call myself a Bitcoin maximalist. I don't even often refer to myself as a Bitcoiner. It's just easier that way. I think the term Bitcoin maximalist is like a label that people like to slap on uh, on Bitcoiners that are only interested in Bitcoin. I, I certainly don't think every other coin is a shit coin. I think most other coins are shit coins, but I can see um, I can see value or purpose, let's say, in in certain coins like stable coins, for example. You could maybe also make a case for some exchange tokens, provided that they're not being, uh, they don't do misleading marketing and you know what you're getting yourself into. But ultimately, the only thing that really matters in the grand scheme of things for me is, is Bitcoin. So, you know, in, in terms of, you know, our coverage, for example, we don't really do anything else other than talking about Bitcoin. And if that makes me a maximalist, that makes me a maximalist, you know? No, your job doesn't necessarily define you. Um, you know, you're, I think, I guess when I've heard the term maximalist, I think I've just associated it with, um, with individuals who are maybe all in, I've perceived as so many people who are maybe all in financially. So they've maybe have almost all of their assets um, in and around Bitcoin to the point where they maybe even have sold their house or they have, you know, 90% of their net worth is, is caught up in. That's what I've perceived it as. That's just my perception. Um, That's interesting. I, it's an interesting view. Yeah, I think it's, it's just maybe because I came into it through the looking at it through the financial aspect. So maybe that's why I associate it with that versus um, being the only um, coin that, that someone's using, looking at. Um, I think maybe there's a little differentiation in there. Um, right. So BTC Times, how long has that been around and, and 
what made that come to life um, as a yeah. news organization? Yeah, so we launched in August last year. So we're just about, what's it now, May? Nine to 10 months old now. <laughs> um, and we launched for, well, a number of things came together. So actually before I got into this entire space, I was already doing some journalism. Actually, before I even left Ger uh, Germany, I was working in journalism. It was one thing that I really enjoyed, um, but you know, then just stopped doing and you know, pivot to other things. Um, and I told that to, to a few people and, you know, they then said like, hey, we were actually thinking there's a need for a, a news site, a Bitcoin news site, because there's a lot of sites out there that cover cryptocurrencies and blockchain things. And they just have their hands so full because there's so many coins out there um, that, just take up a lot of time and you know if you say we're covering all the crypto stuff then where do you draw the line right you have to allocate resources and effort to to covering that and then naturally bitcoin is going to fall short so we we said okay hey we want to launch a site that talks about bitcoin and covers bitcoin news and not only that uh, but actually focuses on quality and also, you know, on debunking some, some maybe misleading or misinformed narratives that are out there. And well, now I think many people can, can understand because there's just a lot of it out there right now. It comes in waves, right? When you're, when you enter a bull market, then it gets very, it gets very fuddy out there. Mm -hmm. So one of our missions is to help dispel some of that and to help shed some light onto certain stories. Sometimes, often, unfortunately, stories are a bit poorly researched. And now you have a lot of mainstream media coming into the space as well, where you know the way it works probably is an editor will give a story to, to a reporter who maybe has been writing on about business, about finance, stocks, um, markets, maybe even politics but maybe doesn't have a lot of background information or background knowledge on Bitcoin. And then they're told, hey, do a story on Bitcoin. That's, you know, everybody's talking about that right now. And you can't catch up within, you know, half a day on that knowledge that you would need to really do a well-informed report. So a lot of times news that maybe get things wrong or are missing information, there's not even malicious intent behind that. It's just the expertise is not there. There's very few Bitcoin savvy journalists out there. Um, and that's why we wanna help you know, debunk some things, fix some reporting, do some research that others maybe should have done. And of course also help dispel malicious FUD because I think there's also that happening. And what aspects do you cover? You said, do you Cover the technology, money, like yeah. people, the personality. Yeah, we, we want to cover everything that's interesting to people that are interested in Bitcoin. So if you hold Bitcoin, you naturally will have an interest in seeing how it's going and what's happening. So you want to cover everything that would affect you or that you might be interested in. That can be you know, fundamental things like uh, 
technological things. It can be regulatory things. This is a big topic right now. But we also like to, you know, just cover things that are generally interesting or, you know, great news. For example, we've been doing a lot of gaming coverage. There's a lot happening with games in, in Bitcoin or that use maybe lightning for uh, in-game transactions. And uh, personally, I also like doing profiles of people. Mm -hmm. I wish I had more time for that. But um, I've done a few, for example, uh, Gloria, Gloria Zhao, who's a Bitcoin, Bitcoin core contributor. And, you know, just try and show the people that are, how, what people are doing in the space and what their background is. A little bit like what you are doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, obviously. I think the people behind a lot of this are very, so interesting to me. Um, my interest is in, um, when I first came into this space personally, I found that there were not a lot of, female voices in the conversation. Um, so I thought I could contribute to the space by finding a way to talk to more women for my own curiosity, but ultimately sharing that through a podcast with, would be a way to add value to the space and maybe encourage other people to get involved at the very least and maybe even become more vocal the end um, about what their experiences are. And that idea, I think, would encourage others to then, you know, ideally have a domino effect of people coming into the conversation and learning from each other and their experiences. Yeah, I think that's a very honorable effort. Yeah, it's- um, The more the merrier. Yes, the more the merrier, exactly. That's, it's a big, <laughs> big world. So let's have more people in the conversation. Um, so who were some of the, the personalities you mentioned that, that kind of like doing the profiles? What are some of the, the individuals that have intrigued you over time? In this yeah, we've done a few profiles. We, we really need to do more of them. We're actually very, you know, we're, we're looking for more reporters right now. We're because we're, we just can't keep up with everything that's happening. We just need more people on board. Um, but we have talked to some people, like we talked to Peter McCormack, we've talked to uh, Alex Gladstein, we've also talked to Michael Saylor, who has some very interesting views, you know, and then we have some people coming up that I'm really, really excited about. The thing is that many, I often hear from people, they say like, I, I would really like to work on or in or around Bitcoin, but I can't code, like, I, I don't know what to do, how to get involved. And doing profiles of people in the space just helps show there's a lot more, you know, more ways you can contribute, more ways you can work on, on Bitcoin or in this, in this space, in this ecosystem, if that's what makes you happy. Because you have companies, a lot of companies doing a lot of different things. And every company has different departments and your skills are probably needed in, in one or some of them. Or even if you want to do something by yourself, you can, you know, start a blog. Everybody has a Substack right now, which, you know, it's, it's great. You can voice your thoughts. You can share your, your opinion or you can have a podcast. You know, that's also perfectly permissionless, you know. Yes, it is. So how so do you find, something that I like to show? How do you find your stories? What, what leads to 
I've never worked in journalism myself, yeah. so I'm curious about how that process works. Yeah, it depends. So currently, obviously, stories just happen like daily, if not every couple hours or something. Every time Elon Musk tweets, we have a story, basically. <laughs> You've been busy no, for the last few months. <laughs> yeah, the last couple of weeks were a bit frustrating. <laughs> no, but... Um, so it depends, you know, we, we actually, we spend a lot of time on Twitter and people, I feel like not too long ago, people would, you know, laugh a bit at, you know, getting info from Twitter, but Twitter is so valuable. Uh, one, one thing is obviously you can get some news from there because if people like Elon Musk, for example, he just puts news as an out on Twitter, you know, he doesn't even do a press release anymore. Then Michael Saylor does the same, well, they do a press release, but he goes and tweets it and that's how people know. So it is a source for for news and information. It's also a great source for educated takes on things. So Bitcoiners, I feel, have a very strong sense of duty in that they feel if if there's some FUD or if there's some misinformation, they want to talk about it and they want to help um, show another side of things. They want to help show more information. They want to have healthy conversations, healthy discussions and debates. And that can be a great source of information as well. So that's also where we find people to talk to. That's where we find quotes. That's where we find different takes because we do want to show um, we, we do want to show what people think, what people are doing, how people react to news, like the recent um, minor cra mining crackdown in China or the announcement of a mining crackdown, right? that stirred up a lot of conversation and actually following that some of the developments they were they were published online but they, granted they were published on Weibo because it's uh, that's like the Chinese Facebook if I'm not if I'm not correct if I'm not wrong but um, people then reacted on Twitter talked about it and we we get a lot of um, of content out of that because we want to reflect that in our articles. And aside from that, you know, if it's if it's not on Twitter, there's different ways we find stories. Sometimes we see a press release uh, that goes out. We obviously have our RSS feeds where we go and scan for news. And then we also get a lot of messages from people that say, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to write about that? So there's different ways for us to get the stories. So when you, you mentioned the FUD that the, or the misunderstandings, when you're working on, when you know, your team is working on articles and, and as editor, how do you confirm information or how do you validate to make sure that what you're, the information you're providing is the most accurate to be that resource for so many people? Yeah. Well, so I do want to say, I don't think that the BTC Times is the one source, single source of truth that they should refer to. What I always like to say is you, if you can at all spare the time, you should use different sources and then build your opinion based on that. Like we don't want to lay words in people's mouths either. The best way I think is always you know, do your own research, mm -hmm. have, have different sources and then like build your opinion based on that. Um, for, for ourselves, for editorial standards, there's different ways. Uh, it, it depends on the information. Let's say there's a rumor. If there's only a single source confirming that rumor 
and oftentimes it would then be an anonymous source on top of that, then we would probably refrain from publishing um, because it's not, you know, it's not secure. Like we don't know who's that, what, what's the, you know, we, we can't, we can't verify it reliably. Um, and then we would rather wait in rather than, you know, publishing quickly in order to get more clicks for, for the story. You know, there's, there's other outlets that can do that, but we don't, we don't do that. If it's about, um, let's take, for example, the whole Elon Musk drama, it started with the environmental uh, story and that Bitcoin's use of fossil fuels and coals, coal has been increasing so much, right? And a lot of media picked that up and took what he said in that tweet at face value and wrote about it. And you know what you can very easily do nowadays is you take information, you see, oh, Bitcoin is bad for the environment, and you Google that in order to find a um, a source that confirms your hypothesis, and then you link that. Or oftentimes nowadays they don't even link anything, and then you just use it as the truth. So we don't really like to do that. We like to see, you know, if. Um, for example, that story media would say only 30%, what was it? 30% of Bitcoin mining uses renewable energy. And then others would say 75% of Bitcoin mining uses renewable energy. When that whole information came up, I was very surprised because I had never seen those numbers before. And we tried getting to the bottom of it. And it, it turns out most of these outlets, they were quoting the Cambridge Center for Alternative Finances benchmark study where they would interview a bunch of miners and then also other cryptocurrency businesses about their use of energy and their energy sources. So one thing is it is it was a survey, so it's not it, it's not confirmed too, right? So there's only so much information you can definitively obtain. But it, it turns out, according to that study, that 70, 75, I forgot the exact number of these businesses would partially use renewable energies according to you know, their, own, their own statements. And then in total, around 30% was used, uh, was obtained through renewable energy sources which this then that's as far as you can get because that's the best uh, source of information we have at the moment because there's no, you know, you, you can't verify it. So in that event, you know, in that case, we would then take that information and say, okay, this is the information that we have from the source and, you know, link to it, say it as it is, and then you as the reader can do with that what you want. Mm -hmm. But we don't try to push an agenda with it, which is what many have been doing in both ways, you know, saying 70% of Bitcoin mining is done with renewables. I don't know if that's accurate. It might be, but it might also not be accurate. So I'd always be a bit careful with that. Yeah, I can imagine there's, do you find that, um, I mean, I, right now you had mentioned in, in this bull run, there's a lot of the, um, there's a lot of misinformation or kind of challenges that come around Bitcoin. Do you find that you spend more time um, kind of clarifying some of that versus maybe sharing some of the innovations that are happening? Do you get caught in that dynamic of, 
you know, do you focus on the negative? Or do you focus on the positive, I guess? And how do you balance that in, in what you're doing? Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely an issue where, you know, I, w- I just wish we had more people so we could, you know, cover more different things. But definitely at the moment, we spend a lot of our time just debunking fat. Like we're, uh, we're currently, especially in the last few days, we're sort of in default defensive mode where you know every day news come out where we say hey that's that's not completely correct and that's a bit misreported just you know the mining news my china's mining crackdown warning um somebody i think it was reuters reported that two mining pools had shut down but that was actually inaccurate so we had to you know go in and do some more research and and try to find other sources and show, you know, this is how it actually happened. Um, obviously we don't have the, the reach that, that Reuters has, but we, we like to do our part in helping right. fix those things. We do that a lot right now. I wish we could also focus more on other things like Taproot, for example, very interesting one where, or uh, g- generally, you know, lightning, lightning growth, yeah. side chains, there's so, so much people, stuff happening. People aren't familiar with lightning. How how has your how would you describe that to, to somebody who's maybe new to the concept of or even just the word lightning? They've heard about Bitcoin, but they aren't familiar with lightning. Yeah, I would say lightning is a way for you to spend Bitcoin quickly, as in like lightning fast. And a lot of people will have heard that Bitcoin is not good for transactions and Lightning fixes that. If you want to get you know, into the nitty gritty, it's a layer two protocol, which means it builds on the base layer, which is the Bitcoin main chain. And um, it allows you to transfer, to basically lock Bitcoin on the main chain, unlock it on the Lightning layer two, and then use it very fast and in, near instantly at near zero fees for microtransactions, for example, if you want to buy a coffee, right? So that is how you can use Lightning. In how, in, and if you compare it to Bitcoin, to the main main layer, you could say that Bitcoin is your your savings account. Lightning is your uh, spending. What's it called? Checking, Checking account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, you're out of the banking system, maybe altogether. So, yeah. <laughs> checking. Oh, oh, I wish. <laughs> Anybody who tells you they're out of the banking system and they're like full on Bitcoin, I don't need banks anymore. They're probably lying to you at this point. <laughs> yes, there's still a ways to go in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what excites you in this space? What are the things that you're kind of seeing? Lightning. You mentioned Taproot. You had also mentioned Taproot, and I don't know if that excites you, but that's. <laughs> well, anything that furthers Bitcoin excites me, right? I'm not nearly technically enough to explain all the, the details of, of that, but anything that helps the development of Bitcoin excites me. I'm personally also, if we're like uh, from a technical standpoint, we're talking about that, I'm personally super excited about uh, sidechains, specifically the Liquid Network, I think is extremely useful and extremely undervalued mm-hmm. and underappreciated. It's, um, we had this period recently there where fees were so high and the, the main chain was, was clocked and transactions would get stuck for, for days. And at that 
point in time, I would have really wished, hey, maybe a few more exchanges could integrate liquid because that that really fixes it. It's obviously it's more more centralized, but as long as you don't store your life savings on, on, on liquid, I think you'll be fine. But I do see a lot of potential there going forward. And I think it's actually recently it's been growing a lot too. There's been a lot of capital flowing into the liquid network. Um, from a general perspective, I'm just excited to see Bitcoin, the narrative around Bitcoin change. If you, you know, if, if you don't, like if you see past the whole environment FUD right now and the minor decentralization FUD, Bitcoin has gone just in the last few years that I've been around, like I, I don't even know before that, but in the last few years that I've been around, the narrative about, around Bitcoin has done like a 180. So it used to be this obscure internet money used by gamblers and criminals and whatnot. And while that is certainly still around and some people still like to talk about it, it has, especially since last year, de developed and evolved into a globally acknowledged store of value. People compare it to gold now, you know, companies put it on their balance sheet, uh, governments are talking about it. And uh, that's a huge step. And it only shows like we've, we're only scratching the surface. There's so much more that can happen and probably will happen. That excites me. That, that's pretty cool. And what about reading? Like you mentioned early on that you, you got into this by taking the time to read books, understand things in more depth. Um, I would imagine you're pretty busy, obviously with your, you know, your work that you're doing uh, times. So do you find the time to still be able to read books and, you know, grow your own knowledge in the space? independent of, of your work, if you will. Yeah, I do read a lot, but I, I gotta admit, not, not books recently. <laughs> like I've been reading, I read a lot of books when I was starting out um, just to get a better grasp of, of Bitcoin. Um, but it kind of evolved into, especially with my line of work now, I'm reading a lot of newsletters and articles and there's, uh, there's, like an extreme amount of high quality information out there for free that you can read that is so helpful not just read but there's also you know if if that's more your your style you can watch youtube videos you can listen to podcasts amazing podcasts out there right yeah. um you'll probably be up there soon as well <laughs> so there's a lot of information you can get for free and that's that's one of the beautiful things about it. I can't tell you which which articles I've been reading recently. I just read them, then I'm amazed, and then unfortunately I forget who wrote them. <laughs> but well, there's some really you know famous ones like the bullish case for Bitcoin by Vijay Boyapati, right? Which is mm -hmm. he 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 has a book now. I want to get my hands on it. <laughs> um, and then there's some other great authors out there like Lynn Alden. She does really good economic views of things. And um, yeah, then I just I'm read a, a lot fan. of news in general because- I'm a big fan of Lynn's also. Um, yeah. Her content, the way she breaks things down is, um, I guess, similar to how you said you kind of came into some of this from that inflationary perspective. That's, that's some of where my first questions came around trying to better understand inflation and then 
seeing where it might lead. And I found her material to be very clear and easy to understand. And also gave me, as someone trying to learn and understand, it gave me a history lesson in the process that I really, I personally need generally to move forward. I need to understand where things came from so I can see where they're headed. Um, yeah. But aside from your editorial work, I know that you also do, you create and um, comics and contribute to the space in, in your own artistic way. So where does that come <laughs> from and, and how, does, how does that work into everything for you? Yeah, all right, where does it come from? <laughs> I, um, it was very random. So last year in July, I think we were like just after the halving and Bitcoin, if I'm not mistaken, it was hovering around 9K. You know, we had that whole 9K meme going on it's over 9,000 and people were joking, oh, we'll always go back to 9K. It just, you know, why can't we go above 10K? I think that was the time where one evening I was just sitting at home and I thought, oh, you know, once we're above 10K again, people will say, oh, you're so lucky. But man, I've been suffering these last three years through the worst thing. Like I, I got into the space and then, you know, it crashed. <laughs> and then I was in a bear market for three years. <laughs> so in... In July last year, I, I thought, wow, if anybody tells me, oh, you're so lucky, I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll be so mad. <laughs> so I had some time one night and I just put together this comic. And at that point in time, I was still, you know, just taking images from the internet and kind of putting it together with uh, Photoshop. <laughs> and then I just put that online. It was the first one that I ever did. It was the one where, you know, that little huddler uh, goes through the bear market and like all these crashes and then the March 2020 crash from 7 to 3k and everybody said oh it's over and then I went back to 10k and the no corner says oh you're so lucky you're getting under 10k and you know I, at that point I just felt like yep I think that's that's accurate and everybody really liked it. I didn't mm -hmm. think that it was at the time my best performing tweet. <laughs> I was like, wow, cool. So you like that, huh? Um, I didn't do anything for a few months. And then a few months later, uh, it was like the beginnings of the of the bull market, right? And I, well, we're already quite, no, we weren't at all time high yet. I think we were in like the 16K range or something. And um, I thought, you know, now, we're telling everybody, hey, how about you buy Bitcoin? It's, it's, it's a future, but they're not listening to us. But soon enough, the media is going to tell them buy Bitcoin. And they're probably going to buy. So I did another comic. It was of that, of that, um, you know, about that kind of thing where the Bitcoiner tells the no corner buy Bitcoin at 3K, 6K, 16K. And then no corner always says, nah. And then at 30K, the media tells the no corner buy Bitcoin. The no corner says, yeah, give me all the Bitcoins. So I did that. It's not nearly as funny if I tell the comic, by the way. <laughs> no, but I know, but you, uh, the simplicity of, of the way you, um, your, you know, your little figures, your characters, I, I appreciate that because it, <laughs> it makes it relatable for everyone, right? Like it's, it's such a simple yeah. little image. Um, yeah. I found that, like, I, I realized it after some time. So these were the first two that I did. And I just used these, like, existing cartoons and I put them together in a way that made sense. And then a few months later, I got an iPad. And I thought, wait, well, 
if I'm doing these things, I might as well, you know, come up with my own style. And then I started drawing some more comics. And um, then I had the one that is currently, I think, pin pinned on my profile that did mm -hmm. surprisingly well with the Citadel. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell that comic now because <laughs> it's not <laughs> funny at all when I tell the comic. <laughs> um, and then I thought a lot of people said, hey, you know, do more of that. And I thought, okay. And now I just basically I just look at what's happening and I try to put it in a comic in very simplified terms where you know we we Bitcoin I don't want to say we Bitcoin it sounds a bit like a cult but you know Bitcoiners are they have to listen to a lot of stuff mm -hmm. all day long all the time you know when Bitcoin's down people pity them uh, and say oh I told you so when Bitcoin's up say it's a bubble or it's going to come down or it's too late or whatnot there's a lot of things bitcoiners have to listen to you all the time and they spend a lot of time trying to explain things and often to no avail so i thought i'm just going to make these comics these simple ones and whenever you you get a stupid comment from someone and you don't have the time or energy to explain to them why that's a stupid comment you can just send them that comic and then it's all good. <laughs> you have your own resource of the images and the images speak a lot of words. They, they convey the message very effectively. So good job to yeah. you for figuring that out and sharing yeah. it with this space. Well, honestly, the, it, it just tells itself, right? One yeah. of the things that I think most Bitcoiners like to tell people is time will prove them wrong if they have a stupid opinion objectively stupid opinion right so time will time will tell with bitcoin it's always time will prove most people wrong not saying there's no valid criticisms of bitcoin right but there's just a lot of stupid criticism and why waste your energy trying to convince people that don't even want to be convinced you know just mm -hmm. you know just take it with some sense of humor and you know have them deal with it themselves. In the last year, what do you feel like has been maybe some of the most challenging aspects of being in this space for you? Um, I just generally being in the space, I didn't find too challenging just because, you know, we're in a bull market. So it's very easy being a Bitcoiner right now, uh, just from a financial point of view, right? Many people they come in well, un until a week ago I came in and they're like wow it's amazing here it's awesome <laughs> um obviously as bitcoin gets more attention you get more critics as well and some of them just well that's where the fud comes in again and mm -hmm. with with my line of work we end up having to debunk a lot of that but then that's the job you know so that's right. not something that i find hard or, or challenging just a bit frustrating <laughs> um what's it, what are the, you what have you found the most rewarding or exciting in the last i find it incredibly rewarding when i get messages from people saying you know i send your comics to my friends and family and they all love them and oh one thing that i found incredibly rewarding is just this week actually I found out that my aunt is a Bitcoiner now and she oh. says, thanks to me. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the most rewarding things. <laughs> that's wonderful. So that that's, uh, I think, uh, and you mentioned earlier, um, your 
going out on a date and meeting somebody who's in the Bitcoin space. And, and um, I guess I think that's one thing that's challenging for people is maybe more the personal side of what, how they feel about Bitcoin and where, what they think its potential is and maybe not being able to share that with those that they care about as easily. And that can be very challenging for some people, um, whether it's in a relationship like someone you're dating or you're, maybe you're married to a partner, spouse, or your family, your loved ones, you know. So how do you, how have you worked through that yourself um, over time? Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting point, a very accurate point too, I think. So obviously I've been lucky to have a Bitcoiner as a boyfriend. So like on the boyfriend girlfriend level, I've never had that issue. Rather he had to teach me a lot of things about Bitcoin. Um, I do know some people though, I've talked to some people who said, you know, if I'm going to date someone, I think it, it has to be somebody who at least is open to Bitcoin because it's such a fundamental thing where if they don't agree with me, then I'm not sure it's gonna work out, which, you know, I think it's a case by case thing. It depends. I think a lot of people just need time to come around. So um, obviously I also have people in my environment that don't think Bitcoin is a good thing or just maybe aren't interested in it, um, which is perfectly natural, especially from my, you know, my background, like I'm from a small town in Germany. We probably are the last people that need Bitcoin from, you know, the, from the need perspective, we grow up in a very sheltered environment, stable, uh, stable or stable looking kind of kind of setup and ecosystem. So we don't feel like we need Bitcoin. So it's really hard for 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 us. And it was really hard for me to to understand. And it takes time. But if it, I, I often feel it's better to just let people take that time. So for example, I've been talking about Bitcoin on my socials for years now, and I've had people slowly come around just because they're just always exposed to it. Mm -hmm. That's more effective than, in my opinion, than going and saying, you know, why don't you buy Bitcoin? You have to buy it because this and that. Because people just don't listen. It's too complex for them to, to understand. They have to want it. <laughs> they have to want to learn about it. And sometimes that comes with time, you know. And if it doesn't come with time, it's going to come with time later. I think everybody's going to be a Bitcoiner soon enough. <laughs> I can see how it can be challenging if, you know, you end up debating it a lot with, let's say, your partner. Um, you end up having discussions and you don't agree on things that for you maybe are, are obvious and are self-explanatory, but for your partner, they, they maybe think, oh, wow, you're crazy. <laughs> But sometimes it just takes time, I think. And by by you being in the space and you know showing showing growth, showing things are going well, your partner then or your friend or your family, they will see, hey, that's not a bubble. That's that's not a fat. That actually is something long lasting. That's yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Um. Yeah. So I know um, I want to be respectful of your time too. What do you have coming up in the next year that, that you're excited about? You maybe can share with others who are listening and also where they can find you 
um, out there and maybe even find a job with BT Times or some, some resources that maybe you can share with the group. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if any of your listeners are um, avid writers and would like to write about Bitcoin, as I said, we are looking for reporters. So you don't necessarily need to have been a journalist in the past. I think if you put in the work, if you have the attitude, you can learn it. Um, but yeah, the attitude has to be there. So if you if you like to write about Bitcoin, then you know you can uh, contact us at uh, maybe use editor at btctimes.com and just send in some writing samples, and then we'll go from there. Personally, I've been putting off. Uh, my, I have been really wanting to launch my own website. And now that I have these comics going on and I, I get messages from people saying, hey, can I support them? Or can I buy a print? Or can I buy a t-shirt or something? I feel like, okay, I should probably, I should probably do that. So I hope that I can do that soon. And then people can find a collection of the comics in one place. Um, so that's on, on a personal level. I would really like to, to get That's that a great going. idea. I think that's, that's great for, because I do agree people are looking for, you know, simple, positive ways they can contribute. Yeah. Support others in this space. Yeah. I feel like the, the comics should send like a positive message, make you feel good, you know, can't hurt. <laughs> so yeah, I really want to do that. Um, and on, you know, well, not that that's not a professional level, but on the BTC time side of things, we, we do want to scale up we do want to cover a lot more content and we do have some, I think, very cool things planned uh, content wise and then also branching out into a few other things that I'm not sure I can share yet, but okay. <laughs> it's really exciting and I can't wait for that. Well, we'll be looking forward to it. And what's your, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Oh yeah, you can find me on Twitter under Lina Saihe, which you spell L-I-N-A-S-E-I-C-H-E, which is this last name that's totally not compatible with what I'm doing because <laughs> I always have to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put it in the show notes too. To make it <laughs> Thank <way>. you. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm so glad I get to meet you and speak with you. Um, is there anything else you want to share with, with people who are listening and about you or... Anything else you want to mention? Based? Oh, it's been a great chat. It's really awesome. Really excited for your for your podcast and your your concept. I think is really interesting. So I can't wait to see that grow further. Great, thank you. Well, it's been great talking with you, and um, I look forward to sharing this with everybody out there. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lena. As you can see, she's bringing a lot of ideas and hard work to the Bitcoin community. And I enjoyed hearing her perspective and her journey down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So thank you for being part of the conversation today. And I look forward to sharing more stories with you. If you are interested in sharing your story or having a conversation, please reach out to me at alongkingbitcoin at gmail.com. Or you can also find me on the Along Came Bitcoin website. And I look forward to hearing from more people and encourage those of you out there to contribute your ideas and your energy to this space. Have a beautiful Bitcoin day.